2: april and then brisbane after that i'm also doing who knew it's in perth and adelaide uh, details for all that stuff at matt wow nice yeah what you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on bomba socks underwear and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds yeah So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full
2: terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
0: Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnieke and I'm here with the best people in the entire world. It's Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hey! Hey. The
2: best
0: people in the entire world. I thought he
2: was going to, like, it sounded like he was going to fuck us there. But he didn't.
0: I thought it was going to be the best people in this room. and I I still would have been pretty happy with that. I thought he was going
2: to say the best people in the world, the St. Kilda Football Club or something like that.
0: Sure. They are the best people in the world.
1: Hey, when it comes to complimenting my buddies, I do not muck around.
0: Oh, I love that, Dave. Thank you. You, I reckon you're one of the best people in the world, too. Oh,
1: sorry. That was not as good as the best people. One of the best. Yeah, because the
0: three of us are the best people in the world. Fair enough. But arrogant
1: on your behalf. Great to be here with you guys. Um, (laughs)
0: Are you you both well? I ate a large piece of cake before I met you here. Really? You didn't talk about that before. What kind of cake? Okay, so I was was meeting uh, my friend, Lewis. Lewis Dow, oh, fellow right. comedian, fellow comedian Playing. and cake eater. No, because Lewis got a burger. Oh, because he was hungover and only just got out of bed, and I, I had had lunch today, but I felt like something a little bit sweet. So I got a coffee, third coffee of the day, so I'm feeling pretty good. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to have, oh, what's that you got there? Oh, a strawberry sponge cake. That oh, looks delightful. That good. I'll have a piece of that. The piece that came out was almost as big as my head, and it was amazing.
1: Wow, and you don't have a tiny head. i got a big head. You've got quite a large head. Yeah.
2: And also, some gall on you as well for bringing up this big piece of cake and coming here empty-handed, you motherfucker. <laughs> Did
1: you eat it all?
0: Yeah, I did. did oh, I, I let Lewis have a bite, but, but I ate the rest. Yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to I'm going to have a sugar crash I'm pretty not,
2: soon. I'm not going to be able to think about anything about cake.
0: Yeah, ask me how I am. How are you?
1: Pissed off you didn't give us some fucking cake. Well,
0: what if I like after we do this podcast, we're going to grab some dinner. What Shout if out some buy you cake. some dinner. I'll get you some cake. Can we
1: are we will only go to places where they have cake on the menu?
0: Okay.
2: I'm in. <laughs> all right, I'll buy I you some cake. I forgive you, Jess. For something that wasn't really your fault.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. No worries. Uh, Matt, uh, how are you?
2: I'm good. Um, you're yeah.
0: wearing yellow pants, aren't you? Sure little, am. Little, sorry to pull back the curtain there. But Jeez, try... you,
2: uh, you do mention my pants every time I see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird habit. What? What's with that?
0: I don't know. You've just... got, you got good pants. Oh, okay. No, it's always just that one pair of jeans that I comment on. But you're wearing yellow pants because you're a little ray of sunshine. And, uh, and you, look, you look great.
2: These are Levi's jeans.
0: Are we sponsored by them now?
2: No, but they, I think he invented jeans. Did we talk about that in an episode? Or Levi Strauss
0: invented jeans. Yeah. Didn't jeans just sort of appear one day?
2: <laughs> yeah, when he invented them.
0: Yeah. When he planted
1: the <laughs> denim tree and they grew in a size small. Yeah. Convenient for me.
2: <laughs> it wasn't until uh, the jeans had, had offspring that we got the denim vest. Uh-huh. And the uh the denim hat. That was a mistake.
0: <laughs> I'm wearing a denim jacket right now.
2: I don't I don't say it. <laughs> She's lying to you listeners. I don't see denim. It's corduroy.
0: Yeah, I'm cool well, enough to wear corduroy.
1: Are there
2: denim hats? That was yeah, that was a bad instinct in inst- instinct
1: instinct. Surely in that photo of <laughs> Yeah Justin Timberlake yes. and Britney Spears, is he wearing a denim hat? N- oh, They're no. wearing so much denim in it that that so awful, much. awful photo. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Was that that was like for Halloween or something?
1: And how like. he's still allowed to be one of the coolest men on the planet, I will never know. Hey. And so
2: is she. One of the coolest men on the planet, yes. She's allowed to be.
0: Yeah. Anyone can be cool. Yeah. It's just about believing in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: the least cool thing you can do. That's what Believe Jess's mum always said to her. Yeah. It and is. me. And yeah, I appreciate that. She's, a good, lady. she's, she's she a good lady. She wants us to believe in ourselves. She fills me with uh, with self belief. Yeah, she's great. Even when I really shouldn't have any, which is most of, most the, time. of the time. Yeah. yeah. She's a good lady.
1: Now, before we hit record, Jess did say that this is her longest report ever, so she would get straight to it. So, so far, we've ticked off cake talk, denim talk, and cool talk. We're done. I think we're ready to go. We're
0: good. Because this is like a Dave Wanaki length report. But it's an interesting story, and I just sort of got carried away, and everything that I found, I was like, well, that has to go in. Well, that has to go in.
2: And you wrote this before today as well.
0: I did, actually, but even is... before yesterday. Oh. Isn't that amazing? I don't
2: remember ever doing that myself. Did you have a? Did you miscalculate the
1: calendar, and you thought we had to
2: record earlier?
0: No, I had plans and knew I wouldn't have time. Oh,
2: that's really smart. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I have plans, it doesn't change anything.
0: No, so I was busy from about. Actually, no, I had breakfast with mum yesterday and then was busy from oh, about. Oh, you did have plans? From one o'clock onwards, then I wasn't home. I was not home. There's always time for a bit no, of cake. I was home, but I was. Anyway, yeah. There's always time for cake.
2: Imagine having your report written yeah. and then beforehand just eating cake. Yeah. Yeah. What I like to do is panically write until you guys tell me we don't have any more time. We have to start recording. Yeah,
0: we know, mate. We oh, know. you you know. We've noticed. I don't
2: know if the people at home know.
0: I think they could probably tell.
2: Oh, I think I've been, people have been saying that my reports have been getting better.
0: Who's been saying that? Andy Matthews?
2: Yes. <laughs> but he's one of our best listeners. He
0: is one of our best listeners and one of our best friends. Most
2: trusted listeners. I trust him. Because because he gives me positive feedback. But he gives <laughs> and I trust me, people who give me positive affirmation. But
0: he gives me realistic feedback. I remember recently I said something a bit fucked on the podcast and you told him that I'd said something fucked and he said, really? I don't believe that for a second. He was being sarcastic. And I was like, oh, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> uh, yeah. Andy Matthews confirms. Um, but that's okay. All right, so yes, this is my report. Let's, let's get stuck in. Um, and as per usual... A few minutes before we started the podcast, I went, "Fuck, I haven't written a question." So,
1: you really shouldn't have had that fucking cake.
0: Mm. I shouldn't have had that cake.
2: Oh, can you work cake into the question? Yes. Great. No. I, I hope I... it's about Marie Antoinette. Me too.
1: I was really hoping oh, that, that. that
0: would be so good if it was, but it's not. Which Austrian cake
2: lover? Mm.
0: Was she oh, Austrian?
2: Wh- when you yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that.
2: I didn't know that either. Well, even when
1: I'm not reporting, you're learning from me.
0: Yeah. we're always learning from you, mate. What not to do. <laughs> Got, in. Got him. Which Nostrian?
2: <laughs> okay. That's someone who lives in a nose.
0: <laughs>
2: That's terrible. <laughs> 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 oh, I was, here, I was here thinking that was really good. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. You're a regular bloody Andy Matthews. <laughs> I, I,
1: I'm teaching you so many things about Marie Antoinette, okay. about comedy...
0: Well, speaking of comedy, my, my question relates to it. Oh, my goodness. Who is the most famous comedian of all time?
2: What? Oh, interesting. Jerry Seinfeld.
0: No. Billy Connolly. No.
2: I wonder if it's modern or old. Because if it's old, I'm kind of thinking it's uh, Charlie Chaplin.
0: Boom! Matty! Really? Yeah.
2: Or if it's not him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, who else are you thinking? Sophocles. I
2: thinking, yeah, I I I was thinking more modern times, I probably would have said Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. Billy Connolly. Is that what Dave said? Yeah, those are the exact two uh, examples. Eddie Murphy's a big comedian. Steve Martin. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Charlie Chapman's. sort Charlie of Charlie
0: Chaplin's the topic that I'm doing, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm, so I'm going to look. If I'm going to have to... <laughs> are you going to make me go with one?
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to choose one.
2: All right, I'm going to say... Uh, who's that guy um, who who smashes fruit and then headbutts it?
0: Con the fruit, That's me. <laughs> oh, Dave. Dave. So, yeah, Warneke. Dave Warnicki. You're going to go with Dave well. Yeah, he the smashes most,
1: watermelons the most famous on stage, humps them and then time. headbutts them. It's, it's the copyrighted move,
2: the hump and headbutt. The what is that guy's name? Gonzo. What? The guy who smashes watermelons on stage?
0: I think you're thinking of Dave.
2: He did it in The Simpsons once. He's like kind of the butt of jokes. He's a bit oh. of a weird guy. Starts with G. Godfrey. Gallagher. Anyway, oh, Gallagher. Yeah, that's right,
0: actually. It is Gallagher. Important. Oh.
2: Important we got to the bottom of that. Thanks, yeah, Jess, for humoring me there.
0: Um, But I'm actually going to do the report on Charlie Chaplin. Great. That's, that's okay. very exciting. Oh,
2: Charlie Chaplin. He was a comedian, wasn't he?
0: <laughs> it's really interesting. Do you guys know much about Charlie Chaplin? I know everything. Great. No, I, don't, I
2: don't really know much at all.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really know all that much myself. Born, born in Austria, I believe. <laughs> I know
2: that uh, Iron Man played him.
0: Robert Downey Jr. played him in the 1992 oh. film Chaplin. Yes. Correct. Oh. And actually, in Jess, did my you watch opinion, that film? I've seen it before. In my opinion, did a very good job. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. He's very good. Um, so I would, yeah, this this was suggested by a couple of people um, It's been suggested by Michael Gledson via Facebook And also Angel Rivers at Riversaw
2: Who tweets to us What a great name Yeah,
0: so good um, Now Angel said uh, their suggestion was Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator So it's quite a specific part of Charlie Chaplin Which I will talk about But I'll also just sort of um, I will talk about
1: <laughs> There's a great porn title ready to be taken right there
2: Ah, there is too. There is a very good (laughs) porn title.
1: But I only do those on Patreon only episodes, so. Oh,
2: come on, Dave. Give
1: give us a little taste of it. The Great Dick Taker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are good at it. You are Uh, bloody good at it. Is that a real one? No, that wouldn't be. Maybe that's got to be.
2: A a (laughs) silent porn movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? In black and white.
0: Maybe maybe that would be for the
2: best. With the little tramp.
0: Hmm. Little tra- anyway, given <clears throat> so if- so you ignored his
1: advice of going specific on the Great Dictator, and instead you've you've found a topic that's too big for yourself.
0: <laughs> Good point, but I just I think it was interesting to to talk about. No, I'm excited to yeah. hear. Yeah. So a little bit a little bit of backstory here. Get you, get your mind in the <laughs> right space. Uh, towards the end of the 19th century, which Matt, what years? What years was
2: that? 19th century. Yeah, uh, that was um, kindergarten for me. I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds all right. The uh, The conventions of Victorian England had created a society that appeared well educated, well dressed, and well mannered. But this society was on the verge of suffocating in its own prudishness. Well,
1: Jess, you you sound very clever. Can't believe you wrote that.
0: Thank you. <laughs> 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 the saviour, in part, was due to a few square miles across the Thames, South London. Oh, you said Thames, I, right? I said it right. Wow. You didn't even
2: bring attention to it. And
0: I didn't hesitate or pause. <laughs> I'm doing so well today. South London was filled with more live entertainment, prostitution, and drunkenness than anywhere else in England at the time. And
1: it still is.
0: <laughs> hey!
1: South London. <laughs>
0: Um, Despite class segregation, the rich and the poor came together in the music halls and the public houses. It was in this world that a gentleman called Charles Chaplin made his career as a singer. This is Charles Chaplin Sr., by the way. Oh. Mm. Uh Meanwhile... 20-year-old Hannah Hill was also a singer who um, apparently did hilarious impressions of people she observed under the stage name Lily Harley. Such a good stage name. But
2: Hannah Hill's a cracking name Hannah Hill's fucking great, isn't it?
0: Can't turn you back on that. I've always liked the name Hannah.
2: Hannah's a good name. Hannah's a good name. It's one of those things, words that is backwards and forwards. (laughs)
0: Parallelogram. That's
2: right. Dave, what are they...
1: They're called parallelograms. <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck! It would look so good. <laughs> fuck.
0: parallelogram. H A W N A H. Why didn't you believe me?
2: Because they're not parallelograms. What are they? <clears throat> parallelogram. Why are you guys? They're the. they parallelograms are things that with equal sides. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> parallelograms. Let-
2: you guys are definitely wrong on this, or am I being It's called a okay. Parallelogram's like it's <laughs> not a squ- a square square's a parallelogram. No, is it? It's anything with four sides. Anything with four if they're like <laughs> parallel. It's um opposite sides are parallel.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: what has happened early? It's <laughs> the same. Backwards. <laughs> they're what called fucking <laughs> word. Ah, oh, I'm gonna sure know I'm gonna her.
0: fucking kill myself a as citizen.
2: As... Glenelg is one? That's really good
0: Palindrome
2: Palindrome. No, I thought
0: there was another word for it
2: no, It's not it's the word
0: I was thinking of It's definitely
1: palindrome <laughs>
0: <laughs> Parallelograms
2: I thought you guys were fucking with me
3: I
1: was
2: not fucking with you And then all of a sudden I started to be like Wait, am, am I the one who is crazy?
0: Palindrome I thought of, I'm thinking of a different word
1: Yeah, you think you're a parallelogram?
0: (laughs) What I'm thinking of. Oh man. Anyway, Hannah's a good name. (laughs) That was where we got. (laughs) That's where we got that from. And I was so confident, wasn't
1: I? (laughs) I... But you were so confident, I didn't even fucking question it. I was like, "Yeah, that's what it is."
0: (laughs) I was so sure. Anyway, Hannah Hill. She's doing impressions um, under the stage name of Lily Harley. In 1885, Hannah gave birth to a son, Sydney. To this day, the identity of Sydney's father remains unknown. However, 14 weeks after he was born, Hannah married Charles Chaplin Sr. Four years later, on April 16, 1889, Hannah gave birth to Charles Spencer Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. There we go.
1: So, is that the same baby or is that the second baby? Second baby.
0: Right. What? What do you mean, same baby?
1: <laughs> like, sorry, but I was just thinking that maybe. Don't worry, it's all good. I couldn't tell if they got married while she was fourteen weeks pregnant. No, they got married fourteen after, weeks after. Sorry, after, after Sydney, Sydney
0: was already existed. Mm-hmm. So
1: Charlie's a little bit younger.
0: Charlie's four years younger. Gotcha. A few years later, Charles Senior was traveling around the U.S. for about a year, and when he returned home, he found that he had a newborn son that he had not
2: expected. What?
0: yeah he came back and they had a new baby, and he's like mm, a year later a year later
2: wow wow that's a that's a yeah, It's a medical
0: mis- a medical miracle yes. yeah it's a long pregnancy so yeah, he's yeah, pregnant yeah. for over a
2: year. It's yeah. hard to let people know, i guess back then could have sent him a parallelogram, <laughs> <laughs> but they take a while to to get so get, get over the seas
0: <laughs> <laughs> um he uh he left the family so. Uh, he was like, this is this us. N- this ain't my baby. That's not my baby. He left the family and correctly claimed that he only had one son, so he paid very little child support. Because obviously they had Sydney, uh, who's, who wasn't Charles' child, right. and then Charlie was his son. So, so very messy. Um, the third son, whose name was George Wheeler Dryden, was fathered by the music hall entertainer Leo Dryden. And George was taken by his father, Leo, at six months old, and didn't re-enter the Chaplin's life for about 30 years, so he had no relationship with his younger brother.: Right.: Yeah, so Chaplin's early years were spent with his mother and brother Sydney in the London district of Kennington. Um, Hannah had no means of income other than occasional nursing and dressmaking jobs. Um, as the situation deteriorated, deteriorated, Chaplin was sent to Lambeth Workhouse when he was seven years old. Um, and the workhouses, from what I could sort of figure out, they were like places where people with no money or like out of prison and stuff like that, that's where they would go. Like they were kind of just housing for like lots of kids were sent there and it doesn't, it's not a nice place. Because um, from the phrase workhouse, I imagine something quite nice. No.
1: It sounds horrible. Mm.
0: Um, the council housed him at the Central London District School for Paupers. What a weird name, um, which Chaplin remembered as a forlorn existence, which I guess makes sense for a school for paupers. Um, he was briefly reunited with his mother 18 months later before Hannah was forced to um, readmit her family to the workhouse in July of 1898. And the boys were sent to Norwood's, uh, Norwood School, which was another institution for destitute children. So, we had a pretty rough childhood. Um, in September of 1898, Hannah was committed to Cane Hill Mental Asylum. Um, she developed a psychosis seemingly brought on by an infection of syphilis or malnutrition.
2: But she was committed, so... <laughs> but, I mean, dedication, I think, is one of the first things you need to do. Uh, it's the first
0: get... signs of mental illness, <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: Over-dedication. <laughs> de- over
0: Over-dedication, yeah. yeah.
2: That's why I keep it loose.
0: <laughs> loose and free. You're aloof. Yeah. You're so aloof. Um, for the two months that she was she was in the Cane Hill um, Asylum, Charlie and his brother Sydney were sent to live with their father, but they barely knew him because he'd obviously left the family when they were quite young. Charles Senior was by then a severe alcoholic and life there was bad enough to provoke a visit from the National Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. So we can assume from that that it wasn't a, a nice place living with their dad either. Um, his father... So Charles Sr. died two years later at 38 years old from cirrhosis of the liver. So, from mm, alcohol.
1: Booze hound. Yeah. He, but at least he was committed to his drinking.
0: And that takes guts. Mm. Speaking of guts. Takes guts and it ruins your guts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fucks him up? No good. Thanks for stepping on my joke there, fuckhead. Nah, nah, good on you.
2: Oh. Dave. I thought this was a team game, Jeff.
0: hold my hand. Dave, stop resisting. Hold my we hand.
2: We set him up and Dave David. steals the jokes. You know how Matt, the team...
0: make Dave hold my hand. He won't hold it. He's holding.
2: <laughs> he's holding it.
0: <laughs> he's doing a minimum hold there.
2: There we go.
0: That's nice. We're all okay. Um, Hannah entered a period of remission, but in 1903, she became ill again. Um, Charlie, who was then 14, had the task of taking his mother to the infirmary. um, And from there, she was sent back to the uh, back to Cane Hill, um, the asylum. And he lived alone for several days, searching for food and occasionally sleeping rough until Sydney, who'd enrolled in the Navy two years earlier, uh, returned. So his brother's four years older than him and came back to stay with him because their mum was not well. Um, Hannah was in and out of care for a long time until she eventually passed away in 1928. Fuck. So.
2: How How old was she there, approximately? Uh,
0: I'm not, I'm not actually sure. 1928, I'm not sure how old she was. Um.
2: Assuming she was born in 1900, she was 28. But I mean, that is a big assumption.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, hang on, we can figure this out. So she was roughly 20, uh, Okay, hang on. No, we can do this. Sorry. No, I want to figure this out. I
2: want to know how sad this is, she and t- I base my sadness on someone's death by but their age. But help me
0: with the maths, because you know that's not my strength. So, twenty. She was. It says she was twenty, and she gave birth to Sydney in eighteen eighty-five. So let's say she was twenty in eighteen eighty-five.
2: So she was born in sixty-five and she died in twenty-eight. So that's thirty-five plus twenty-eight, Dave. Sixty-three. Sixty-three. So in the olden days, that's good innings. Yeah, but not a great life. Yeah.
1: So Matt,
0: how
2: sad are you? How sad are you? (laughs) I'm still pretty sad about it. Yeah. Yeah, that does that sounds like a sad story.
0: Yeah, just like I had no idea of such a um, such a rough upbringing. Between his time in the the pauper schools and his mother um, becoming quite ill, Charlie began to perform on stage. He later recalled making his first amateur appearance at the age of five when he took over from Hannah one night in Aldershot. I don't really know the context of, of how he took over, but he was performing at about five. By the time he was nine... Mum, I've got this. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. I'll do the impressions tonight, yeah, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> I don't know why I'm American and I'm young, but I'm here. (laughs) But I'm here.
2: You're an impressionist, that's why. (laughs) That's
1: right. (laughs) And that is my impression of a young American. Next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) By the time he was nine, Charlie had, with his mother's encouragement, grown interested in performing. And through his father's connections, Charlie became a member of the Eight Lancashire Lads. Clog dancing troupe.
2: That sounds sick. <laughs> I want in. So
0: <laughs>
1: well, thank God his dad had a connection to that. Yeah, big you, big break.
0: You got to get into the
1: clog dance. Get a Big
2: what break. If they're still going, fair English listeners they can let me know. I
0: Don't think they are. Um,
2: and are, th- are there any English people listening? No, nah, there's
0: none of them. <laughs> dad,
1: do you reckon your dad would have any connections, Matt,
0: to get uh, you into I'm the
2: clog? So, uh, sh- if he's been holding out on me this long, <laughs> this whole time, I'd see, be furious. Yeah. A clog dancer. I I would genuinely be pissed off if he's off clogging and um, holding that back from me. I'd be I'd be furious. I can't see that being the case. He would. He definitely.
0: He knows that that's something you would want to do. He couldn't hold that back from me. If 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 he if he could claim ignorance, then you you could maybe understand. But in this case, I mean, you talk about clog dancing.
2: I live to clog. (laughs) I clog to live. Um, which is hard because I don't have clogs or access to a, a clog lad crew.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately. Well, if
1: your dad's been clogging and he's not been telling you, he deserves a flogging. That's all I'm
2: saying. <laughs> he's it's very clo- hard. He's clogging for a flogging. <laughs> he is clogging. And it it is really hard to um be, become a top-line clogger <laughs> without clogs and without clog, clog mates.
1: Yeah. Are you confusing jogging with clogging?
2: W- which one's which one's which?
1: Jogging's much cheaper, because you, you don't do need any specific footwear. You kind of do. Joggers? Oh. You need joggers. You need access to joggers. You
0: can't really do that in flip-flops, can you? I do. I know you do. You're a bloody renegade. <laughs> <laughs> I've got really sore feet all the time. So anyway, with this, this clog dancing troupe, he toured uh, English music halls throughout 1899 and 1900. Do you reckon
1: he had to beat off the
2: women, because he's just... He's you know. a
0: child, but yeah. he's also a he's clogger. Early teens.
2: Why would he be beating them off? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: oh, good. Um, Charlie worked hard. Come here, I've got a clog. <laughs> Charlie worked hard, and the act was very popular with audiences. But he was including not, women. He was not satisfied with dancing and wished to form a comedy act. Um, in the years, <laughs> clogging isn't funny enough. <laughs> In the years that Charlie was touring with the eight Lancashire lads, his mother ensured that he still attended school, but by age 13, he'd abandoned his education. Um, he supported himself with a range of jobs while nursing his ambition to become an actor. At 14, shortly after his mother's relapse, he registered with a theatrical agency in London's West End. The manager sensed potential in Chaplin. It was like, hmm, you're going to be a star, kid. See, it's the early 1900s. Anyway. This person was ahead of their time and spoke like it was the 40s. <laughs> um, and Charlie was promptly given his first role as a newsboy in Jim, A Romance of Cocaine, which sounds fantastic. Also lends
1: its name to a porn title quite well. Yep. But once again, I only do those on the Patreon
2: episodes. Dave, come on. Come on.
0: come on, mate. A Romance of Cocaine. Come on, mate. What do you got for us?
2: I can't see any obvious ends here, so oh, good ins. luck.
0: Interesting. Blomance of cocaine (laughs) I mean, he's bloody good Blomance Of cocaine Of cocaine So the play opened in July of 1903 And his Newsboy (laughs) His Newsboy What a role The show was unsuccessful and it closed after two weeks Chaplin's comic performance, however, was singled out for praise in many of the reviews So even though it was a dud, he was still a star Newsboy was a star (laughs) Newsboy stole the show the director of that play secured a I've role. I've got your paper here. Oh, he's very good. Gav, <laughs> now nah, I've got your paper
2: and your cocaine. Is that yes? Yeah, so in the in your porn spin-off, I guess the paper boy comes around. He knocks on the door. He said, "I got news for you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> like am um, Zipsy's pants. <laughs>
1: well, we don't have a subscription to the news, but I do have a pool you could clean.
0: Why are you doing that with your shoulders while you? Because I'm a single
1: young woman left all alone.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. In a big empty house. Big empty Are house. You want a cross a trainer pool. at the time? Want
1: <laughs> <laughs> a big I've got a big empty pull out back.
0: Well, I've just cocked
1: a cell with the paper.
2: Big empty pull out the back. That's not a euphemism, is it? Dave.
0: Can Matt, I... it's the nineteen hundreds. I hate this <laughs> so much. Stop doing that with your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're too sexy. I know. Stop it. So the director of uh, Jim, A Romance of Cocaine, secured a role for Charlie in Charles Froman's production of Sherlock Holmes, where he played Billy the Page Boy in three nationwide tours. He's touring. He's acting. At, uh, at 16 years old, Chaplin starred in the play's West End production at the Duke of York's Theatre from October to December of 1905. He completed one fil- final tour of Sherlock Holmes in early 1906 before leaving the play after more than two and a half years touring playing this character in no, Sherlock Holmes no player. longer a page boy by the end of his tour he's a page man
2: there's a bit of a link back to a previous episode there we did one about sherlocks home sherlock Holmes Sherlock Holmes yeah, and in that we talked about one of the what is it, Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan movies I think mm-hmm. and at the end of one of those movies uh one of the guys like oh, yeah. he saw this he saw a sign he's like, oh would you mind if I use this is my character. The, as for Sherlock Holmes, it was like a clock or something. And then at the very end, a little boy like stows away as they're going to America, and he gets a little bit of um, ah. dust on his on his lip—a Charlie Chaplin-style mustache—and he's been Charles Chaplin the whole movie, and that's the big reveal at the end. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great.
0: Um, spoilers.
2: I, it's like a, for it's an origin movie for for both Charlie Chaplin and. William Shakespeare. Wow. William Shakespeare. <laughs> Have I been saying that the whole time? No. No. What's the other guy? Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. <laughs> Fucking
3: hell.
1: I love that we've told that story twice on the podcast. That's how much we want to ruin that movie. For you. <laughs> just in case he managed to avoid that episode, we just ru- he was Charles Chaplin the whole time. Just in case he didn't think, well, that's a bit of a weird. But it thing. doesn't make
2: any sense. Why? And no, it does, and I I get it, and I. I think last time I told the story, I'd seen it recently. <laughs> now it's just a very vague memory from the past. Yeah, now you're retelling just a story. Why had
0: you watched that movie recently? Why?
2: No further questions.
0: Fair enough. Um, so after he left the Sherlock Holmes uh, tour, he soon found work with a new company and went on tour with his brother, who was also pursuing an acting career by this time. Oh. In a comedy sketch called Repairs. Um, In May 1906, Charlie joined an act at Casey's Circus where he developed popular burlesque pieces and was soon the star of the show. By the time the act finished uh, touring in July of 1907, the 18-year-old had become an accomplished comedic performer. He struggled to find more work, however, and uh, um, a brief attempt at a solo act was a failure. So at this stage, he's still sort of working in, like, um, groups, like, Yeah, that's the opposite of solo, so that makes sense.
1: Variety shows and the like. Yeah,
0: exactly right. Uh, Meanwhile, Sidney Chaplin had joined Fred Karno's prestigious comedy company in 1906, and by 1908, he was one of their key performers. In Feb, he managed to secure a two-week trial for his younger brother. Um, Karno was initially... 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 (laughs) Initially... Initially wary, and considered Chaplin a pale, puny, sullen-looking youngster who looked much too shy to do any good in the theatre.
1: I relate to this character.
0: (laughs) Puny, pale, sullen-looking. Hmm. Hmm. He sounds hot. (laughs) Too shy to do any good in the theatre. Mm-hmm. I've said that about you. Preach it. However, the teenager made an impact on his first night at the London Coliseum. Yes, I did. And was quickly signed to a contract. He began playing a series of minor parts, eventually progressing to starring roles by the following year in, in uh, 1909. In April of 1910, he was given the lead in a new sketch, Jimmy the Fearless. It was a big success.
1: Jimmy the Feelers.
0: Feel, feelers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Charlie received considerable press attention. He's suddenly got a bit of a name for himself. Um, Carno then selected this new star to join the section of the company that toured North America's vaudeville circuit. and uh, And Charlie headed to head of the show and impressed reviewers being described as one of the best pantomime artists ever seen here. His most successful role was a, was a drunk called the inebriate, the inebriate swell, um, which drew him significant recognition.
1: Their titles are incredible. So good.
0: The tour lasted 21 months and the troupe returned to England in June of 1912. And by October they were heading off on another tour. Hitting the road, so he's like he's kind of making it as a as an actor, and not like making the big bucks, but he's you know he's, it's, it's his living.
1: Should be doing all right.
0: Yeah. Six months into the second American tour, Chaplin was invited to join the New York Motion Picture Company. This is where he's starting to get his his foot in the door in film. Ever heard of it, boys? You heard of film, yeah, Matthew? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it. <laughs> um, a representative who had seen his performance uh, thought he could replace Fred Mace, who was a star of their Keystone Studios, who intended to leave. Oh, Fred, where are you going? Fred, where, what are you doing, mate? It's well, be you'd
2: a... know where he... Fred, obviously you know his name from the next project he did. Fred Mace? Yeah. Yeah? what did he do? He invented a new kind of horse. <laughs> He's a horse breeder? <laughs> yep.
0: He invented a new kind of horse? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. How do you invent a horse?
2: Bits of bits and pieces. <laughs> Pop them together. Yeah, Just... stuff you found around. Bit the of trial house. and error. Yeah, it revolutionised. You know, you guys that know the Fred Mace horse.
1: <laughs> Did he sew dead horses together? <laughs> yeah. Like Frankenstein.
2: Look, I'm. I'm. Not, are you guys fucking with me? <laughs> I'm very confused.
0: <laughs> You're very confusing. This is a very long report, Matt. Just let me get through it. See. <laughs> so um, they wanted him to join Keystone Studios now Charlie wasn't a fan of Keystone's comedies but he rationalised that it was an opportunity to get into film and start a new life so he met with the company and he signed a $150 per week contract which uh, in equivalent now would be about $3,600 a week which cash. is a pretty good contract it's good money and that was in September of 1913 so he's making 150 bucks per week so he's gone from like having nothing as a child and then touring with these um acting groups and now he's making some good money. So he arrived in LA, uh, home of the Keystone Studios in early December of 1913, and his boss was Mac Sennett, great name, who initially expressed What's it, Mac? Mac. Mack Sennett. Sennett. S- Sennett, who initially expressed concern that the 24-year-old looked too young.
1: Oh, I'm relating. Yeah, you get I'm it. I'm relating. Was, have I ever told you about this? I got cast in an ad where the... All right,
0: mate. We've all got stuff going on.
1: Well, I did until I got kicked off the ad because uh, the character was 18 to 24. This was last year when I was 25. And then the people who... I was cast in or whatever. And then the people who were doing... Paying for the ad to be made, the company, looked at my photo and went, he's way too young to pass as 18 to 24. And I was older than 18 to 24.
0: I mean, I know that that's annoying, but also... Like, won't you be grateful for that when you're, like, 50?
2: Yeah. That's what people say.
0: Yeah, they fucking say it.
2: Is that true, Dave? I'm not 50. Okay. But I'll let you know.
0: We'll check in. Matt, you'll get to 50 first, obviously. Obviously. Soon.
2: Unless you catch me. (laughs) Catch me if you can. (laughs) Which which will
0: only happen if if you die. Which I don't don't want that to happen.
2: Oh, that's very sweet, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dave, just to get paid for that ad. I didn't get paid, so oh, it was. Bullshit. That's why I was sad.
0: That's bullshit. So you understand? You understand? I'm relating you, to this guy. Yeah. He's great. So Charlie wasn't used in a picture until late January, um, and uh, during that time, he's just kind of trying to trying to learn the processes of filmmaking and trying to sort of pick up on on how they make. <laughs> he's films. trying to learn how to direct. <laughs> he's he's like, just okay, doing I'm impressions of this.
1: directors. Cut. Is that right? Am I saying, am I saying that right? <laughs> Look, mate, just get off the film set. <laughs> We're trying to film here. Action. <laughs> Look, seriously, you've, you've got to leave. Cut. Cut. Are you directing me? I'm the director. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the uh, student became the teacher.
0: <laughs> so Charlie made his uh, film acting debut in the one reeler Making a Living, and it was released on the 2nd of February, 1914. He hated the picture. He hated it. But one review picked him out as a comedian of the first water. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> First sure water?
1: <laughs> I would put that quote all over my comedy festival. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Comedian of the first water. I'm guessing just uh, like, you know when you're, I don't know. You know <laughs> when
1: you're giving out water and the best water goes to the best people? Yeah. First water for you, but you get the shit water for the losers. For the losers. So he's first water. Right. Speaking of which, I'm going to have a sip of my first water right now. Please oh, enjoy.
2: you got first water.
0: Yeah, I've got third water in my cup.
2: i got, <sighs> i just got. which is, you know, it's sub-water.
1: But that's why I'm a comedian of the first water kind.
0: You are. For his second appearance on camera, Charlie created the costume that he would go on to be identified with for the rest of his life. The character, who became known as The Tramp, debuted to audiences in Kid Auto Races at Venice. (laughs) Some of the movie titles are so good. This is so funny. And um, this uh, this is what Chaplin said about about the tramp so he said i wanted everything to be a contradiction the pants baggy the coat tight the hat small and the shoes large i added a small mustache which i reasoned would add age without hiding my expression which is a good point i had no idea of the character but the moment i was dressed the clothes and the makeup made me feel the person he was i began to know him and by the time i walked on stage he was fully born what an actor (laughs) what an actor
2: can relate to a lot of that mm. as an actor myself. Yeah. Um. um
0: how so? Please do tell. Because you've been on a
1: few commercials and not been kicked off because of your young looks.
2: Yeah. I know. And on all the acting work I, I do, I, I often wear small hats and big shoes. You demand it. I demand it. They um,
1: say, "But Matt, this is a scene set sw- in a swimming pool."
2: Yeah. I say, "Too bad. Give me big pants, small <laughs> shirt, please." And um. Put-hat. And once I get him on, and I'm in there in the pool, drowning, uh, <laughs> under the weight of the clothes, I'm like, yeah, I think I know who this guy is. Yeah. He's, he's about to die. Yeah. <laughs> he's dying. <laughs> yeah, he's dying now. He's being resuscitated. <laughs> he's splurting water back out of his lungs. Mm-hmm. He's in an ambulance. <laughs> like, I, kn- I know who he is.
1: And at the end, the decal comes on and says,
0: shop at Target. Yeah. <laughs> Bang, nailed it. Another commercial well done.
2: Put it in the can.
0: Uh, I'll send you an invoice. Yeah, A triple what we agreed.
1: Also a bill for the hospital.
2: <laughs> You've made a significant loss on the job.
0: <laughs> and it will not succeed at all. Um, great. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's so wonderful to have two prestigious actors mm. here. Yeah, mm. we can pick
2: apart Charlie. <laughs> early work. Mm. Let me know if you have any questions. Thank you. If you want to get inside the mind of an actor, um, only... Too willing to oblige.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Mm. That's very good. Mm. Mm. Very good. Mm. <laughs> Inside the actors' podcast studio. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't do it like you can. The, mm. I can't get deep enough. I think. Do it.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> just Is like
0: that... no, it's just one. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so low. It's, it's just the noise he makes when he's going along with the, with my bullshit. I love it. Um, okay, so in, so he's just he's he's making movies. He's churning them out. He's making the films. During the filming of his 11th picture, Mabel at the Wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Who's Mabel? Well. (laughs) Why is she at the wheel? He clashed with director Mabel Normand and was almost released from his contract. Senate kept him on, however, when he received orders from exhibitors for more Chaplin films. Senate so also allowed uh, Charlie to direct his next film himself. After Charlie promised to pay one thousand five hundred dollars, equivalent uh, of thirty six grand, now if the film was unsuccessful, wow. like he backed himself, he's like, "I'll give you thirty six grand."
1: <laughs> he's gone for a, he's made a bet.
0: Yeah, he's like, "I, bet you this I, I want to good. direct," and they probably went, "No, mate, you can't direct." He goes, "If it's okay, let me direct," and if it's bad, I'm going to give you fifteen hundred bucks, which is a lot of money. And Caught in the Rain, which was issued 4th of May 1914, was Chaplin's directorial debut. Caught in the Rain. Caught in the Rain. Needs more Mabel. And it was...
2: Yeah, we need a place and a name. Everything yeah. else is Gary doing the dishes the or place, something.
0: The place is Court.
2: Okay. Okay, sure.
0: And the activity is the rain.
2: Surely in the rain is the place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. 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 <laughs> I can see that
0: So that was his, his directing debut And he made a big bet he, made it, he put a lot of money behind it, he really backed himself Matt, do you reckon this is going to go well? Yes Dave? I'm also in the yes camp <sighs> You're both correct, it was highly successful <laughs> He made it! Mabel, go fuck yourself He did it Thereafter, he directed almost every short film in which he appeared for Keystone At a rate of approximately one per week what? They're making movies. They're making a movie a week. Mabel
1: at the wheel, Greg in the Castle, Johnny Does Something
0: <laughs> Johnny Does Something. That's not Dave blanking, that's what one of them was called.
1: Yeah. Oh I've got the, the list of his filmography in front of me. I'm Johnny, reading them out.
0: Johnny Does Something. Um, Kate has. Just
2: a... to save money they actually started doing Mabel at the wheel, Mabel lost something under the seat, <laughs> Mabel ducks into the back, Mabel has a look in the boot. <laughs> Maybe fills up petrol. (laughs) Yeah,
0: maybe maybe get some groceries. Um, Maybe
1: maybe have some mabel time.
0: Oh no, that's no porn titles now, Dave. (laughs) That's moving into your industry. (laughs) My industry. (laughs) That's
1: right. I am a porn uh, entrepreneur.
0: Um, Charlie's films. Ultra porn news. Sorry,
1: sorry <laughs> I, had to. I had to. I'm you so sorry.
0: To. No, no, no. Never apologize. That was great. Um, Charlie's films introduced a slower form of comedy than the typical Keystone uh, farce that they were used to, and he developed quite a large fan base because of this. Um, in November of 1914, he had a supporting role in his in the first feature-length comedy film, Tilly's Punctured Romance. <laughs> Directed by Senate and starring Marie Dressler, it was a commercial success and increased his popularity. When Charlie's contract came up for renewal at the end of the year, he asked for one thousand dollars a week, which would have been equivalent of twenty four grand.
1: A week. A week. That would make you a millionaire. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, and Senate refused as it was it was too much money. So at this time the SNA Film Manufacturing Company of Chicago sent Chaplin an offer of 1250 a week with a signing bonus of $10,000. Right. So even more than he wanted. Even more than he wanted. So yeah. Um, so he joined the studio in late December 1914.
1: Plus, so that signing bonus is about a quarter of a million dollars.
2: Which would have made him a millionaire.
1: That no, makes him a quarter of the way to a millionaire. <laughs>
2: Mm. Okay.
3: <laughs>
0: Interesting. <laughs> um,
1: but if you worked for a year, you become a millionaire.
0: Okay. Um, so this is where he started to begin forming a stock company of regular actors that he that he used quite a lot. So that included Leo White, Bud Jemison, Patty Maguire, and Billy Armstrong. Such good names. Um, he soon recruited a leading lady. Um her name was Edna. <laughs>
1: Are you laughing at Edna? Yes. Well, these people are old enough to be grandparents, and that's a great grandma name.
0: Edna Perviance? Perviance? Perviance. Edna. I going to call her Edna. Um, he met her in a cafe and hired her on account of her beauty. So <laughs> that's a good feeling. So um,
1: acting ability, 100.
0: 100. She went on to appear in 35 films with Chaplin over eight years. And they can't, they dated for a little bit. Um, Just for, just for a turn a little bit. During 1915, Charlie became a cultural phenomenon. Shops were stocked with Chaplin merchandise. He featured in cartoons and comic strips. Several songs were written about him. In July, a journalist for Motion Picture Magazine wrote that chaplinitis had spread across America. (laughs) Oh my God, what's the cure? More comedy.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) That only makes it worse,
1: Jess. Oh no! It makes you feel like you want more comedy, but that's the last thing you that's need. That's
0: the last thing your body needs. Uh, you know what? You need to get over it. Just, just some fluids and rest. Right. The, the main thing, you know, just gotta rest up. Darkened room. Yeah, and lots of water, tea if you feel like it, plain foods, mm-hmm. plain foods, um, and, just, and just, coke. just time, flat, flat, flat coke if coke, you can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> plain food. <laughs> plain food.
1: Wright <laughs> mm. brothers were dishing it out, obviously. Yeah,
0: obviously.
2: better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding...
0: As his fame grew worldwide, he became the film industry's first international star. He's a star, see? still too early. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. When when the uh, S&A contract ended in December of 1915, Charlie, fully aware of his popularity, requested a $150,000 signing bonus from his next studio.
3: What?
1: So he just kind of
0: put that out there like, somebody wants me, you can have me, but... I want hundred and fifty up front. Do you know what that's worth? Um, probably a fuck ton, I think.
2: if one was thirty six, that's one hundred and fifty times thirty six, is that right? If one one thousand was the equivalent of thirty six. One oh, no, thousand is twenty four. All right. And fifteen the what he guaranteed was thirty six, which is fifteen. Right? Don't worry. All right. Oh, I Sorry, see what everybody. you mean. Yes. 1500 so Fifteen hundred
0: was about thirty grand.
2: 30 grand. So Dave, it's a lot. You know maths.
0: If he's asking for a hundred and fifty, so maybe, I'm really
1: keen to know because that is so. That's well, let's have I a mean, look. that's so, a lot of money. Uh,
0: so let's say a thousand was twenty-four thousand dollars, and he's asking for a hundred and fifty.
2: three
1: point six million dollars.
0: <laughs> Fucking hell. That
2: I guess that probably, like in today's language, that isn't. Cr- like it? No, yeah, Sometimes they, they make they would be twenty-five activity. million for a film. Yeah. So maybe he isn't being. But at, at the time, probably movies weren't. That's seen just a signing bonus. Yeah. Did anyone? Yeah. Did That's, anyone do it?
0: Well, <laughs> he received several offers, including Universal, Fox. Um, the best of which came from the Mutual Film Corporation, at ten thousand dollars a week. On top of. Uh, the bonus, like the signing bonus. Wow. So he's making ten grand a week.
1: So that's a quarter of a million dollars a week.
0: That was sort of their so here's what it was. So a contract was negotiated with Mutual that amounted to six hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year. Which Robinson says made Chaplin at twenty six years old one of the highest paid people in the world. In the world. That's a, awesome. He's our age though. And back then he's making six hundred and seventy grand a year.
2: Right, and their money. Jeez.
0: It's insane. The high salary shocked the public and was widely reported in the press. Um,
1: That is incredible.
0: Yeah. Apparently, the studio president, a guy called John R. Fruller, explained, we can afford to pay Mr. Chaplin this large sum annually because the public wants Chaplin and we'll pay for him. So it's like, well, he'll make the money so we can afford to give it to him. It's amazing. Um, Mitchell gave Chaplin his own Los Angeles studio to work in, which opened in March of 1916. And in 1917, professional Chaplin imitators were so widespread that he took legal action. And it was reported that nine out of ten men who attended costume parties were dressed as a tramp. That's <laughs> right? Nine out of nine ten. Out of ten. <laughs> you look around, you like, what <laughs> the fuck? But also it says it was reported that nine, so it's like, who does that research? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the tenth person's come as the king, and they're like, "What the fuck
0: are you wearing?" This is, a, this is a Charlie Chaplin party, mate. That's insane. So Charlie was sort of he was working on stuff, but he wasn't churning out, um, like a movie a of, week. Not a movie a week because he sort of he wanted to make his own art. work. He wanted to make his art. Bit and he of art wanted house. to do it right, mm. and yeah. So eventually, the um the contract with mutual. Um, ended, but it ended quite nicely. They were very patient with his slower rate of of putting out content. But was, yeah,
2: did he put out any bangers with them?
0: Um, I think so. <laughs> I don't have them listed here, okay. but um, yeah, no, he was. Kate drinks a
2: hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because what, what, I'm wondering when he gets to the movies that we've heard of, which aren't there's not heaps of them, but there's
1: yeah, well, what the are you heard of? The Great Dictator is
2: the, the most famous. The great one. Dictator. Yep. Charlie Chaplin goes to the doctors. Uh, tramp, tramp, tramp stamp, tramp a tramp,
0: tramp stamp 2, Back in
2: the habit, tramp formers, <laughs> Tempor- more than meets the eye. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so Charlie's primary concern in finding a new distributor was independence. Um, Sidney Chaplin, then his business manager, so Sydney's just taken over as his business manager now, he told the press, Charlie must be allowed all the time he needs and all the money for producing films the way he wants. It is quality, not quantity, we're after. Mm, very good, Sydney. very good. Well said, Sydney. Oh, Sydney, very good. In June of 1917, Charlie uh, signed to complete eight films for the first National Exhibitors Circuit, uh, in return for $1 million. That would
2: make him a millionaire. (laughs) That
0: would make him a millionaire. Even
2: by their terms.
0: Even by their terms, he is now a millionaire. He chose to build his own studio situated on five acres of land off Sunset Boulevard with production facilities of the highest order, only the best. Um, So this was completed in uh, 1918, and Charlie was given freedom over the making of his pictures. So now he can make whatever he wants to make. So, he joined forces with Douglas Fairbanks, Mary Pickford, and D.W. Griffith. D.W. D.W. To form a new distribution company. United, United Artists.
1: There you go. knew that.
0: How did you know?
1: I just knew that he was the founder of New United Artists.
0: How did you know?
2: Trivia, I think. Dave's a real trivia buff. You That's, know that, Jess? not you know that? I did not know that. You didn't know that about Dave. How was that,
0: that not been mentioned? in this
2: It's weird it has in this come
0: podcast up. which is largely trivia based yeah. to be honest yeah
2: Feels like it might have almost been <laughs> yeah, the first the trivia thing. trivia the reason mentioned.
1: for this
0: whole show. Hmm. No idea. Um <laughs> you learn something new every day.
1: I think they're also involved in the Academy Awards being set up.
0: Ah. There you go. Um,
2: episode 3 4 fuck
0: <laughs> idiot Um, The arrangement was revolutionary in the film industry as it enabled the four partners, all creative artists, to personally fund their pictures and have complete control. Chaplin was eager to start with the new company and offered to buy out his contract with First National, but they declined this and insisted that he complete the final six films he owed them. So he agreed to eight and did two and was like, Can I just buy you out? And they're like, yeah. No. Can I give you
1: that $30 million
0: back? <laughs> make six films. So he's like, Ugh. <laughs> like, that's so many. Like,
2: he drops his arm out. <laughs> oh, like,
0: mama. Okay. I'll make six films. Uh.
2: And <laughs> just grabs a pen and paper and just, Here, I'm writing it now. Yeah. <laughs> Guy goes to the shop. It Next. sounds brilliant.
0: <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> That's exactly what we wanted. We really thought he'd like he'd throw it in if he was forced to do it. But yeah, he's, but he's such a professional. This is good stuff. Guy
1: goes to the shops. Why didn't I think of that?
2: Next film, Johnny does a poo poo.
0: <laughs> My goodness, pushing the boundaries. I love it. I love it. This is fantastic. Who what is else, this Johnny? What else have you got? Do we have a sequel to Johnny does a poo poo?
2: Johnny sticks a fork in a. Electric socket.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, it wow. says so much about society. So much about comedy, too. Oh, my goodness. Mm, mm. I think of the death scene. It'd be hilarious. Hilarious. The slapstick. Oh, my goodness.
2: Have. Johnny mails it in.
0: Mm, Johnny. So he survived.
1: It's a cliffhanger <laughs> episode. My goodness. He gets stuck inside a litter box. Charlie, you've done it again. <laughs> Give that man more money.
2: Johnny shoots his boss.
1: Oh. oh Brackets, oh, Johnny.
2: <laughs> Johnny is, a, is is a is a... Is is an allegory? No, he's not. Is he? Yeah, that's right. For for me, Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) The boss is the boss. Bracket. It's
0: a long title. Yeah, lengthy, but I don't hate it. But for you, we'll do it. (laughs) The kids will love it. This is exactly how the entire conversation went. Um...
2: Spaceman from Pluto.
0: It'll never work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's where I draw the line, Charlie. That's where I know you're making fun of us now.
0: Um, a little bit of a uh, little bit of his personal life. His p- p- personal life. Oh, before the creation of United Arse- Artists, <laughs> that's
1: how I knew it. United Ass is the name of my porn production company. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not good. You've got Arses. a United Ass. No that good. Means you're gonna hit strife.
0: Yeah, that's not okay. Before the creation of United Artists, Chaplin married for the first time. The 17-year-old actress Mildred Harris had revealed that she was pregnant with his child, and in September of 1918, he married her quietly in Los Angeles to avoid controversy. Ah,
2: he's a science film guy. That's how he does it.
0: (laughs) He does everything quietly. (laughs) He's one of those people that just, like, accidentally sneaks up on you. You know, he's always startling you because he's so quiet. Getting you pregnant. Yeah, he's always getting you pregnant.
2: Startling you. Oh, no.
0: Soon after, the pregnancy was found to be a false alarm. Chaplin was unhappy with the union and feeling that marriage stunted his creativity, he struggled over the production of his film Sunnyside. Um, Harris was by then legitimately pregnant and on the 7th of July 1919, she gave birth to a son. Norman Spencer Chaplin was born um, but unfortunately died three days later. He was, he was quite ill. The marriage eventually ended in April of 1920 with Chaplin explaining in his autobiography that they were unre- irreconcilable... <laughs> Inre- irreconcilably.
1: Irreconcilably. There's a sentence, a word missing from that sentence. Irreconcilably.
0: Mismatched. I just couldn't get the word irreconcilably.
1: Oh, i right,
2: oh, right. I didn't even notice. Oh, really? Hmm.
0: I, was, I couldn't say it.
1: Well, I think you're going to say that they were irreconcilable.
2: <laughs> oh, no.
0: In, ir- I can't even say in reco- it's irreconcilably.
3: Yeah, mismatch. isn't that what you were saying?
0: No, I was putting an in in there. I don't know. I'm sorry. While making The Gold Rush, is that a movie a title that, that one. you recognise? Mm. Um, Chaplin married for the second time. Mirroring... Bridget
2: Fonda. No?
0: No. Mm. Who are you thinking of? Bridget Fonda. <laughs>
2: sorry, yes.
0: <laughs> That's who you're thinking of. Um, mirroring the circumstances of his first union, Uh-oh. Lita Grey was a teenage actress.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: Originally set to star in the film, whose surprise announcement of pregnancy forced Chaplin into marriage. How old is he this time? He was 35. She was 16. Oh,
2: no. no. Why isn't that known?
0: Mm. It meant that he could have been charged with statutory rape under California law. um, I bet he wasn't. He therefore arranged a discreet marriage in Mexico, and their first son, Charles Spencer Chaplin Jr., was born on the 5th of May... 1925, followed by Sidney Earl Chaplin, a few years later on the 30th of March 26th, or the next year. 16 to 35. Like, what would you talk about, you know? You just don't have the same interests. Well, they're both actors.
2: What are you doing at school? Oh, that's fucked.
0: That's fucked. I know. Um, it was an unhappy marriage, and uh, Chaplin spent long hours at the studio to avoid seeing his wife. Oh, <laughs> it just hurts to read. It's not nice. In November of 26, Grey took the children and left the family home. A bitter divorce followed, in which Gray's application, accusing Chaplin of infidelity abuse and of harbouring perverted sexual desires, was leaked to the press. Chaplin was reported to be in a state of nervous breakdown as the stories became headline news and groups formed, formed across America calling for his films to be banned. Eager to end the case without further scandal, Charlie's lawyers agreed to, ca- to a cash settlement of $600,000, the largest awarded by American courts at that time. His fan base was strong enough to survive the incident, which is good, isn't it? Um, and it was soon forgotten.
2: Oh, my God.
0: this <laughs> is sort of forgotten and, and brushed over. But obviously Charlie was deeply affected by it, apparently. Um, before the divorce suit was filed, filed um Chaplin had begun to, uh, working on his new film the circus he built a story around the idea of walking a tightrope while besieged by monkeys and turned the tramp into in the uh, into the accidental star of a circus filming was suspended for 10 months though while he dealt with the divorce scandal and it was generally a, a pretty trouble-ridden production like it was just a bit of a mess um It was finally completed in uh, 1927 and the circus was released in 28 to a very positive reception. At the first Academy Awards, Chaplin was given a special trophy for versatility and genius in acting, writing, directing and producing the circus. Despite its success, he permanently associated the film with the stress of its production and he omitted the circus from his autobiography and he, like, he hated the film. He struggled to work on the... He had to do like the score, re-recording the score several years later and he like, really struggled with that as well. He just doesn't even count it. Wow. Very weird. Um, by the time the circus was released, though, Hollywood had witnessed the introduction of sound films. <gasps> No or,
2: or, as they were known then, soundies. Soundies. <laughs> Very good.
0: <laughs> Chaplin was cynical about the new medium and technical shortcomings it presented, believing that talkies...
2: Oh, interesting. Liked... That must be the American term.
0: <laughs> we, we call them soundies. Talkies liked the artistry of silent film.
2: Mm. Mm. They're mm. just a fad. Don't worry about it, mate. Yeah, they
0: won't mm. last. They won't last.
2: Oh, I know. Like 3D film. Yeah. <laughs> or the internet.
0: He, he feared that giving The Tramp a voice would limit his international appeal. Therefore, he rejected the new Hollywood craze and began to work on a new silent film.
2: Yeah, this guy gets it. Does
0: he make, does this makes sense. Um, when filming began at the end of 1928, Chaplin had been working on the story for almost a year. And this one was called City Lights. And it followed The Tramp's love for a blind flower girl. Uh, and his efforts to raise money for her sight-saving operation. It was a challenging production that lasted 21 months, with Chaplin later confessing that he had worked himself into a neurotic state of wanting perfection. Wow. For a guy that used
3: to
1: make a film a week, 21 months on one silent movie is a long time. I think
0: it's because they used to be really, really short, and now they're sort of feature length, or they're they're longer. Mm. Yeah.
2: It's amazing to think that um, there was a time where people thought, yeah, these, these sound movies... Mm. Talkies, as the, as the Yanks call them. They won't last. The they won't last. It's so funny. Yeah. It's like, like now, there couldn't have been anything more obvious than yeah. it was the death of silent film. But
0: What was the silent film a couple of years ago that won awards? The Artist. The Artist. It
2: was about me. <laughs> was that you about really you? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I assume Did you is.
0: get any royalties from that?
2: Still bloody waiting, mate.
0: Mm. It's hard
1: to talk to them. They won't say a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what those bloody...
2: Yeah, they do not reply they do not... to my my voicemail. Voicemails.
1: <laughs> you leave a voicemail. All right, guys, it's me again. I'm wondering if I can have a bit of cash for that movie. <laughs> Call yeah. me back. Call me back. Love you. You know my number. Do you?
0: Do you know it? I won't say it.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: um So, yeah. So, this this movie kind of... He worked himself... Into, into a real state, but it became his, his personal favourite of his films and, and, yeah, all through his life he sort of credited City Lights as his favourite. It was quite successful, but he was unsure if he could make another picture without dialogue, so he learned his lesson. He's like, okay, so the talkies have stuck around. Um, he remained convinced that sound would not work in his films but was always obsessed by a depressing fear of being old-fashioned which I quite like.
1: Mate, this is exactly the kind of thing that will make you (laughs) old-fashioned.
2: That fear needs to really kick in. Yeah.
0: In this state of uncertainty, uh, early in 1931, the comedian decided to take a holiday and ended up travelling for around 16 months. Um, He recalled that on his return to LA, I was confused and without plan, restless and conscious of extreme loneliness. Um, He briefly considered retiring and moving to China.
1: China. I mean, I've had brief thoughts like that, but I don't know how brief. Think about, think about that for about 10 seconds.
0: Kind of go, could I retire? No. Could I retire 26. and move to China? <laughs> I can't retire now. No. I, I can't. don't have any money. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I can pay rent. I probably can't retire yet. How good's the Chinese exchange rate? Yeah. Am I a millionaire <laughs> yeah, Am I a in China? millionaire in China? <laughs> you Googling, where am I a millionaire? This is my bank balance. Where am I a millionaire? Oh, that's a fun game. That is a fun game. Actually, yeah, let's do that later. Anyway. Um, million yen. Yeah. How much is that?
1: Oh, thousands.
0: Yeah. yeah okay. okay I don't know that. that. <laughs> I don't know that. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chaplin's loneliness was relieved when he met 21-year-old actress Paulette Goddard in July of nineteen thirty two. So at least she's twenty one.
1: So has he divorced the Oh the other one's left, sorry. She she yeah, got she's the gone. big payout.
0: Um and they like this. The pair begun a successful relationship. Oh that's nice. Um,
1: after months of trying, it was finally a success. <laughs>
0: um he was he wasn't quite ready to commit to a film and he focused on writing a serial about his travels. This is so good. Published in Women's Home Companion. <laughs> which I just like to imagine is like new idea or like Women's Day. And he's like,
2: oh. Women's Home Companion.
0: Home Companion. Dave, give us a porn. <laughs> give us a porn. Women's Home Companion. Women's Companion. Bone companion. <laughs> there we go. You're getting it. Very good, Maddie.
2: Is that kind of it, Dave? Give women's
1: it a- Home Companion. Sex toy inside. <laughs> there you
0: go. So following the release of his film Modern Times, Chaplin left with Goddard for a trip to the Far East. The couple had refused to comment on the nature of their relationship, and it was not known whether they were married or not.
1: So they go so far east that they arrived back home again.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, they just oh, kept shit. going. <laughs> By 19, yeah, they went so far east that they ended up slightly west.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where did that all? Where did west and east start, Dave? Do you know that, about that? Like where? Where was seen as being the far east, the middle east. part? Yeah. Where they said east is that way and west is that. Way. Is that how it worked?
1: Uh, yeah, I imagine Europe, because that's where everything was based around right. for centuries.
2: So, the East, Asia's to the East, east of Europe? Yep. East.
0: East. I wasn't going to say anything. And,
1: and then the Middle east,
2: east
0: is
1: between Europe and Asia.
2: Right. And then the West is just Europe?
1: Yeah, I guess that's, that's West. But there's also East and Western Rome.
2: That's to be part of it. it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because when it really spread and then really it spread split. It
1: really spread all the way East and then split. Yeah, maybe that's why.
0: So anyway, they've gone on a whirlwind adventure. They're on a trip. They haven't confirmed whether they're married or not. Sometime later, Charlie revealed that they had got married during this trip. Um, but by 1938, the couple had drifted apart as both focused heavily on their work, although Goddard was again his leading lady in his next feature film, The Great Dictator. She eventually divorced Chaplin in Mexico of 1942, citing incompatibility. Um, and, yeah, so... He's, citing he's, he's not a good person. He's done it again. It's always weird when you have to state a reason. Yeah. Like, well, I don't yeah. want to. Do I need one? Yeah, why do you need a reason? It's always,
1: he says it's always irreconcilable differences. That's what they always That's say. That's a now. classic,
2: which makes sense. That's yeah. why people break up. We can't.
0: Can't work out these differences we've got.
2: Yeah, but it is funny that you got to put a word on it. you got to put a like, word. Yeah, just don't want to. Yeah. Don't want to anymore. I'm over it. I guess because it's a legal thing.
0: I don't like him anymore. That should be enough.
2: Yeah, no more love.
0: Yeah, we don't love each other. It's probably not healthy for us to be together anymore. Just it's, pop that down. It's more just, concise.
2: I just read some old newspapers and found out that he's basically a predator, child molester, predator. Mm. And that I just thought that upset well, me a little bit. Charlie Chaplin, why is he still working? Orm and. And or married to me? Yeah, both well, of those don't both sit well. Big questions. I could sum that up in one word?
0: Incompatible. There we are. See, it's more concise. In brackets with a paedophile. Incompatible with a paedophile. <laughs> um, the nineteen forties. The nineteen forties. We
1: finally there. Thank God he lived long enough for this.
0: The year was the nineteen forties. See. <laughs> And uh, Chaplin faced a series of controversies, both in his work and in his personal life, which changed his fortunes and severely affected his popularity in the United States. The first of these was a new boldness in expressing his political beliefs. Deeply disturbed by the surge of militaristic nationalism in the 1930s world politics, Chaplin found that he could not keep these issues out of his work. Parallels between himself and Adolf Hitler had been widely noted. The pair were born four days apart. Both had risen from poverty to world prominence. And Hitler wore the same toothbrush moustache as Chaplin. Hmm. No, no, by the way, they were never seen in the same room. So Really?
2: Oh, <laughs>
1: interesting.
2: It Is was... it interesting, Dave? Oh, God, I know. I was just waiting for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, let me just say, I know... Um. We've made a lot of jokes on this on the show, but I've got a confession. Dave, are you crying? <laughs> yes. Hey. I have to come out and say that I I am not a Nazi sympathizer. What?
2: What are you? What are
1: you... I know we've been pl- I've been playing along with. It, we made a, a joke very early on, and I've had mm-hmm. to play this this mm-hmm. character that's been dictated to me.
2: <laughs> Dave, don't fuck with me on this. We've been talking about this for eighty six weeks.
1: I've got to, no. I'm sorry. I've got I've got to come out. I'm coming out of the closet, the Nazi closet. I'm not a Nazi.
0: You know I always I'm so confused. No, there. I always had my suspicions that what? he was going along with it for our benefit and um Why would
2: you go along with it if you weren't I think just uh, right cause into he's brave
0: because he's brave. And Dave, I just want you to know that um uh, regardless of this new news that you are not a Nazi sympathizer. Thank you. That's the truth. Um I just want you to know that I love and and accept you. You still respect me? Absolutely. I'm still funny? If not?
1: Without
2: I... this little gimmick?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I I accept you and respect you more for not being a nazi. Yeah.
2: No, I know to be honest, looking back there were signs. There um, were
0: signs when we when you would make we would make the jokes and he would protest. Was that the sign no, for
2: No, there were just times where he definitely could have shown signs of, of upholding the Reich and he didn't. Mm. He chose to be more. Mm. He showed he did show love a lot of times when he could have shown hate, and I should have probably thought then that maybe maybe he isn't who we thought he was after all.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is an exciting time. Uh, so Thank let's you. let's I, uh, let's move forward then with our chaplain report. Um and now Dave, the fun part is if more Hitler references come up, you get to bloody pile on with us. Great, I fucking hate that guy. Yay! Nobody likes Hitler. <laughs> what a dick bag. Am I right? Yeah, oh, I'm to... Do you see it? Do you see it now?
2: Yeah, but I mean, was Hitler uh, a back... you... <laughs> <laughs> man? Becomes the Nazi on the show. <laughs> please take, please take was this he...
1: burden
0: was he though? Yeah, let's share it around we'll take we'll take a year, oh. eight, 86 episodes each oh, of, that'd be great. of being the sympathiser. Love that. Anyway guys anyway, so the physical resemblance obviously between them um, supplied the plot for Chaplin's next film The Great Dictator, which directly satirised Hitler and attacked fascism <laughs> I mean mate, you're a slapstick actor and you're really taking on the big issues and I, I respect that So he spent Also quite ironic He's attacking fascism Yeah (laughs) Good one He spent two years Developing the script And filming started In September of 1939 Six days after Britain declared war On Germany Um, He had finally Given in to using Spoken dialogue Partly out of acceptance That he had no other choice (laughs) But
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but now he's going to speak German. Yeah,
0: but also because he recognised it as a better method for delivering a political message.
2: Is there uh, anything but spoken dialogue? I guess there is, right? So the written stuff on the screen—that's still dialogue, of course. <laughs> spoken dialogue sounded really funny. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, da.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Academy Award for Best uh, Script displayed on the screen. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because yeah, before there would have been, you know, when yeah, it came up little, with the title screens? Yeah. yeah. So. That's still dialogue. And he
2: thought for a little while that that was going to see off yeah. Soundies. Yeah. Like, this is Come all on, we mate. need.
0: This is all we need. So
2: Amazing. Yeah. I wonder what he thought about colour. Because there were people <laughs> when colour came in, they said the same. They're like, it's a fad. Colour yeah, TV. Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. It's genuinely. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they did. It's, it's so funny.
1: Um, and for, oh, f- making it easier to call people on the other side of the world—bullshit. Mm-hmm. That'll never happen.
0: Why would you want to do that?
1: People want to adopt to that. Cheaper phone bills—a <laughs> good one, mate. <laughs> we're happy paying six hundred dollars a month.
2: Apparently, people thought mobile phones would never take off. Mm, definitely. Cell phones, yeah.
0: Well, they were just for business people.
2: That's right. Yeah. And then they had no idea that teenagers teenage, teenage kids—we're bloody. The
0: ones. I'm on them all day, mate.
2: I'm on it right now.
0: Just tapping away. Tap, so, tap, some tap, people. Tap. I'm always on. I'm, I'm hacking the mainframe. <laughs>
1: Some people still think that vaccines are a fad. That's true. They are they won't take off.
0: All right, let's not get into our, pol- our own political uh, Dave's about to here. do another hot take. Here, here we, we go.
2: go.
1: <laughs> My hot take is that you should definitely vaccinate your child, and if you don't, you're wrong.
0: We've just lost 25% of our audience. <laughs> I don't know why I picked 25%.
2: That's pretty high.
0: It is. You guys seem reasonable. That's
2: higher than standard.
0: Anyway, uh, making a comedy about Hitler was seen as highly controversial. Um, but Chaplin's financial independence allowed him to take the risk. He was like, Meh, whatever. He was determined to go ahead. To um, this is so money. good. This is such a good quote. He goes, I was determined to go ahead for Hitler must be laughed at. <laughs> Probably didn't say it quite that triumphantly, but I think that's pretty funny. And I agree. We should laugh at that man. Yes, we should. But Yay! not laugh at me. <laughs> um, so Chaplin replaced the tramp but wore similar attire um, with a Jewish barber who was a reference to the Nazi Party's belief that he was Jewish, for some reason the Nazis thought Charlie Chaplin was Jewish, so they so he created this character as like a response to that. Um, in a dual performance, he also played the the dictator Adenoid Heinkel, <laughs> who parodied Hitler. Sorry, I it. Adenoid.
2: Yeah, Ad. First letters ad, Adolf. Adenoid. Hitler.
0: Hin- Hinkle.
2: Very good. Very it took good me a while indeed. to crack the code. <laughs> <laughs> but also, wasn't Hitler a fan of Charlie Chaplin before this movie came out? I, mean, I, I heard that he was hurt by it. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, oh.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, I just sympathized a bit with him. <laughs> oh, no. I can see how easily you fall into the trap. I thought that was kind of cute. I was like, oh, he was offended by it. That's how he gets you. Much like everyone else was offended by everything you did or stood for. So, Okay. Um, which is, oh, because I imagine like a little cartoon, like, kid Hitler, like, <laughs> guys.
2: Mein friend.
0: <laughs> I can see the cogs ticking in your head, like, joke, 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 there's a joke here. I can't get, there it is. Boom. Um, the film generated a, a huge amount of publicity. Um, a critic for the New York Times calling it the most eagerly awaited picture of the year. And it was one of the biggest money making makers of the era. Made a lot of made a lot of cash. A lot of scrilla. The ending was unpopular though, and generated a lot of controversy itself as well. Because Chaplin ended the film with a five minute speech in which he abandoned his barber character, looked directly into the camera, and pleaded against war and fascism. <laughs> I don't
3: know why I find that funny.
0: <laughs> just like breaking character, just barrel the camera, just <laughs> have a rant for have a second. Have you seen it?
2: It's quite a long rant as well. I five think. minutes. Yeah. That's a long rant. That is a long rant.
0: She says an hour, over an hour into the podcast.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Great Dictator received five Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actor. In the mid-40s, Chaplin was involved in a series of trials that occupied most of his time and significantly affected his public image. The trouble stemmed from his affair with an, uh, an aspiring actress named Joan Barry, with whom he was involved intermittently between 1941 and the autumn of 42. Barry, who displayed obsessive behaviour and was twice arrested after they separated, reappeared the following year and announced that she was pregnant with Chaplin's child. <laughs> this just keeps on happening. He is a fertile little bugger, isn't he?
2: How old was she?
0: Um, uh, I don't... I'm not 100% sure, but she was not a teenager. Cool. Um, <laughs> Chaplin denied that the child was his and she filed a paternity suit against him. This is. This is a bit strange. The director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, who'd long been suspicious of Chaplin's political leanings
1: Oh, he is crazy though. <laughs> he suspected everyone.
0: He used the opportunity to generate negative publicity about Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> so he's like, aha. <laughs> ah, well,
1: I've got you. I've
0: got you now, Chaplin. <laughs> I don't know why he has that. He's a super. Villain. He's a super villain voice. So Barry's child, Carol Ann, was born in October of '44, and the paternity suit went to court um, the following Feb. After two arduous trials, Chaplin was declared to be the father. Evidence from blood tests, which indicated otherwise, were not admissible, and the judge ordered Chaplin to pay child support until Carol turned twenty-one. So they were still. They were... Yeah, what the hell
1: are they doing it before DNA? Yeah, look, a... looks like
2: you. Uh, it's a boy. So are it's you? Cool. Yeah. Who what are who are you getting in there as witnesses and stuff?
0: No, it was so it was there was um, there were blood tests.
2: But they weren't shown, so they weren't... That they were,
0: indicated he wasn't the dad.
2: Yeah, but they weren't... They were inadmissible. Yeah. Or whatever the word yeah, meaning. Yeah,
0: Isn't that weird?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, what was the trial about if they know. weren't using science? I
0: don't know. I don't know. Also, I
1: love that J. Edgar Hoover is suspicious of his leanings, even though he's done a five-minute rant against
2: fascism mm. at the end of his film. Oh, yeah, maybe that's what he was suspicious Maybe he thought he was a commie.
3: Hmm. hmm.
0: Um, media coverage of the paternity suit was influenced by the FBI as information was fed to the prominent gossip columnist, Hedda Hopper, fucking good name. And Charlie was portrayed in an overwhelmingly critical light. So this was really damaging for him. Oh, poor thing. Um, the controversy surrounding Chaplin increased when two weeks after the paternity suit was filed, it was announced that he had married his newest protege, 18 year old Una O'Neill, daughter of the American playwright Eugene O'Neill. Oh, wow. Chaplin, then 54, had been introduced to her by a film agent seven months earlier. In his autobiography...
2: When she was 17.
0: Charlie described meeting her as the happiest event of my life and claimed to have found perfect love. Brutal to the four ex-wives. Chaplin's son, Charles Jr., reported that Una worshipped his father. The couple remained married until Chaplin's death and had eight children over 18 years. Eight more children. So
1: he was a fan also of her father. Yeah. Eugene O'Neill.
0: I think so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know Eugene O'Neill?
1: Yeah, he wrote uh, Long Day's Journey Into Night, which I think is one of the best plays I've ever read. Oh, cool. I think he's a three-time Pulitzer Prize winner.
2: Dave, you Pulitzer. watch plays, you don't read them, mate.
0: <laughs> this guy. He's so embarrassing, isn't he? Um, Chaplin claimed that the Barry trial had crippled his creativeness. I mean, he keeps blaming lack of creativity on anybody else. Like, mate, just own it. Sometimes We all go through ruts.
2: Get in the House of Mirrors, bud.
0: Yeah, come on, mate. <laughs> and it was some time uh, before he began working again. In April of 46, he finally became, uh, began filming a project uh, that had been in development for a couple of years. It was called uh, Monsieur Verdot, and it was a black comedy of the story of a French bank clerk who loses his job and begins marrying and murdering wealthy widows to support his family. <laughs> um. The... sounds hilarious. So funny. Well, his inspiration for the project came from Orson Welles, who wanted him to star in a film about the French serial killer Henri-Désiré L- Landru. I'm so sorry.
2: Oh, life. <laughs> That's right.
0: Life. That's who it's about. Um, Chaplin decided that the concept would make a wonderful comedy, and he paid Orson Welles $5,000 for the idea. <laughs> there you go, Orson. Wow. Isn't that kind of cool? I think that's the main reason I wanted to keep that video, is because I like yeah, that I just cool. bought the idea off Orson Welles. I like
1: that idea. Here's five grand.
0: Okay. All right. Have fun. Um, <laughs> well, Because
1: you mentioned, you should do a movie about this guy. That's a great idea. Chat- I'd, be, I'd be pitching him ideas all the all time. All the time. doesn't get like, he picks especially, one.
0: Especially when he's in this rut of lack of creativity. He'd, he'd be taking anything.
1: Yeah, and he's like, here's a hundred grand. Good. You're like, all thank right. you.
0: Thanks, deal. See ya. Um again he used this film to vocalize his political views and he criticized capitalism um and argued that That's the... right.
1: criticized capitalism after paying $5000 for a one sentence idea. <laughs>
3: Very good.
0: Fight the power. Fight the power. Um because of this, the film met with controversy when it was released in April of 1947, and he was booed at the premiere, and there were calls for a boycott.
1: Who goes to the premiere to boo? I don't
0: know. <laughs> um, it, was, it, it was the first Chaplin release that sort of failed both critically and commercially in in the US. It was more successful abroad, but it had definitely still affected his um, his reputation in the States, but the screenplay was still nominated at the Academy Awards. So it's like... <laughs> It was critically and pub- like everyone was like, this sucks, but it still got nominated. Um, in 72... But Dave
2: was saying that he helped set up the Academy Awards, right?
1: I think that he was, well, United Artists, those, that group.
2: So... Like Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah, people stuff. on the inside.
0: Um, I, I, I skipped over a section here where, uh, and, and don't, don't like, don't ask me <laughs> for the exact details. But basically, he was denied re-entry into the states at one point, and and didn't go back for like twenty years.
1: I'm afraid I'm going to need exact details.
0: Ah! I said, don't. It was just like there was already so much information and I'd grabbed so much. I was like, this report is going to go for 17 years if I don't just sort of skip ahead. Right. So he was kicked out. Yeah, he was kicked out of the States. 20 years. Yeah. So it, How cause... long does he live? <laughs> well, in 1972, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences offered Chaplin an honorary award, um, which was sort of seen as America wanting to make amends because America kind of turned their back on him a little bit. And that's why he obviously... He was denied re-entry and he just stayed away. So he was initially hesitant about accepting, but he decided to return to the U.S. for the first time in 20 years. The visit attracted a large amount of press coverage and at the Academy Awards Gala, he was given a 12-minute standing ovation. That's too oh. long.
1: That is... Man, I'd, I'd hate it. I'd want to That's... sit
2: down. Sounds awful. 12 minutes.
0: 12 minutes.
2: That doesn't sound right.
0: It's the longest in the academy's history. Twelve minutes. Are you play
1: you
2: off after twenty-five seconds? That should be the longest in, <laughs> in history. What is, this? Is they before learnt. they were televising it? I'm guessing. Imagine just what I'm we're sure. going to go to a break and There's we'll be back with more standing ovation in just a few minutes.
0: <laughs> There's footage of it. I saw it on. Um, I saw it on on YouTube. He was he was like visibly emotional. He he's, uh, makes an acceptance speech. He accepted his award for the incalculable effect he had. He has had in making motion pictures the art form of this century. That's
2: the name of the award.
0: No, that's just sort of the reason they gave him the award. Don't be a fucking smart ass. No, it's, so.
2: it's with yeah, it's uh, when well, yeah. the award was just honorary award.
0: Yeah. So I want to I want to um, touch on a couple extra things, and then I'll talk a little bit about his legacy. But where the end is near, boys. Um, by October of 1977, Chaplin's health had declined to the point that he needed constant care. In the early morning of the 25th of December 1977, Chaplin died at home after suffering a stroke in his sleep. He was 88 years old. Wow, it's a long time. He lived to 88. The funeral, which was a couple of days later on the 27th, was a small and private Anglican ceremony. This is oh, I. I just find this a little bit weird. On the first of March, seventy-eight, so a year after he'd he'd not even actually a couple of months after he was um, after he died, his coffin was dug up and stolen from its grave by two unemployed uh, immigrants, Roman Wardus from Poland and Gancho Ganev from Bulgaria. The body was held for ransom in an attempt to extort money from Una Chaplin. The pair were caught in a large police operation in May, and Chaplin's coffin was found buried in a field in the nearby village of uh, Neville. It was reinterred uh, in the cemetery where it had been found, and it was uh, reinforced by concrete. People stole his coffin. That's weird. That's For weird. ransom, but only a couple months after they'd buried him. It's oh. That's
2: weird. He was already dead. He's not going to be able to pay that ransom.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs>
2: dear they have Mr. Chaplin, thought this through.
1: They're just knocking on the coffin. Ready to pay up yet? <laughs> We'll put you back in the ground. We just need $10 million. No answer.
0: God, he's stubborn.
1: God, he's played this game before. <laughs> he is a silent man after all. He hates
2: capitalism. He's
0: a silent man. <laughs> um, I just wanna, I'll just i talk a little bit about his, his legacy to, to end with. Um,
2: Fun legacy facts? Well,
0: in 1998, the film critic Andrew Sarris called Chaplin, arguably the single most important artist produced by the cinema, certainly its most extraordinary performer and probably still its most universal icon. The image of the tramp has become a part of cultural history. So according to uh, Simon Lavish, the character is recognisable to people who have never seen a Chaplin film and in places where his films were never shown. So the tramp is is obviously his most famous famous work. Memorabilia connected to the character still fetches large sums in auctions. In 2006, a bowler hat and bamboo cane that were part of the tramp's costume were bought for $140,000 in a Los Angeles auction.
1: Wow, and he hated capitalism.
0: <laughs> in the 21st century, several of Chaplin's films are still regarded as classics and among the greatest ever made. The 2012 Sight and Sound poll, which compiles the top 10 ballots from film critics and directors to determine each group's most acclaimed films, saw City Lights rank amongst the critics' top 50, Modern Times inside the top 100, and The Great Dictator and The Gold Rush placed in the top 250. That's kind of cool. In other tributes, a minor planet was discovered in 1981 and named after him. It's called 3623 Chaplin. That's pretty cool. Why
1: wow, you, got a, you got, got a planet named after him?
0: A planet named after him. Um, from the film industry, Chaplin received a special Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival in 1972, and a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Lincoln Center Film Society the same year. The latter has since been presented annually to filmmakers as the Chaplin Award. So it's now named after him. He was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1972, having previously been excluded because of his political beliefs. But then they were like, we'll turn a blind eye.
2: So the p- political beliefs were the anti-capitalism commie stuff. He was a, some sort of a commie? I
0: don't know. I guess so.
2: Political beliefs. Or, or was it that he was anti-Hitler? Uh, <laughs> 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 it was that stance he took in, in The Great Dictator. They're like, Yeah, they were like, Not
0: come on, on, mate. Come on, mate. That's this is
2: enough. not. This is not how Hollywood that is no good. behaves.
0: So yeah. that is uh, the story of Charles Spencer, Chaplin.
1: Well done, Jess.
2: Well done, Jess. <laughs> oh,
0: what a
1: fascinating, but also lovely controversial life.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was a real eye opener. Yeah. I didn't know realise I. I hated him until tonight.
0: Yeah, me either. But now I do.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yay. Yeah, glad he's dead. The
1: more you know. Now, of course, we'd like to thank everyone that listens to the show and anyone that's listened to this point. Also, we'd like to say, uh, say a personal thank you to the people that support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash People that uh, keep the show running with their monthly subscription. We appreciate that you get bonus episodes. And we'd like to uh, say a personal
0: thank you now. Jess, you want to thank anyone? Would, I would Anyone ab- come to mind? Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. Um, one of my favourite listeners of ours is somebody that I, uh, I would really like to thank this week. And I'm
2: glad that you're finally getting a chance to do this because yeah. I know this has been weighing on your weighing mind on. and your heart.
0: Yeah, mostly my heart to be yeah. honest. My, and, uh, I'm looking forward to the feeling of relief and I would really like to send a very special thank you to the one, the only, Kevin Spradlin.
2: That's a Spradlin.
0: That's a Spradlin. <laughs> you better believe. So thank you, Kevin, for your undying support.
2: You know where Kevin's from? Where? Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Ooh. I don't know heaps
2: about it, but it's a great name that I've heard a lot. I think it maybe is where the Kentucky Derby's from.
0: Kevin can confirm. Kevin can
2: confirm or deny. Maybe also where the, the herbs and spices are from.
0: Yes, very good.
2: What do you mean, very good? How dare you? Oh,
0: my God, I can't <laughs> win with you.
1: Mike,
2: do you want to? <laughs> uh, if I may, I mean, do we have time?
1: We'll Hurry up maybe, and do it. Maybe one more.
2: <laughs> okay, if we've got time for one more, that's great. Because I'd really like, only if we have enough time, to give me um, a chance to thank uh, this listener in the right manner. Oh. And that is with a big thank you. To Eve Newton. She's a local Melbourneite. Eve. Which isn't what we're called. What do we call? Melburnians.
1: What are we called? Eve, come on down. We'll get some pasta. What? <laughs> Just an offer I'd like to extend. Okay. <laughs>
0: That's, I don't... Just for pasta? What if she doesn't want to get. What if she feels more like Mexican food? Well, or... she fucked it. Okay. <laughs> Eve, the offer is for pasta and pasta only. A, what type of pasta? Are you going to dictate what type of pasta she gets to eat? Penne only. Penne what? What type of sauce? No sauce. Just penne. <laughs> I'm not rich. I... Eve, don't come. Are you calling I that,
2: is that, is penne only your Newton's law? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh,
1: that I'll sucked. Stop it. I'll stop it. That sucked. Uh, Isaac Newton's fourth law <laughs> was that you have to have penne, penne. with no sauce.
3: Penne Thanks, only
2: Dave. Left. Thanks for taking that in the right spirit. Jess? You can get fucked. Okay. Dave, you got anyone you want to thank?
1: Well, to round out the episode, the best name
2: of the week. No offence to Eve. How dare you. (laughs)
1: uh, Or Spradlin, which is also two great names. But I would like to say, very on brand. I'd like to think that they changed their name via deed poll before they committed to being a Patreon supporter. And I would like to say a very big thank you to Matt Keane, in brackets for peen.
2: Is he really? Is that how he spells his name? Yeah. No, he does not. But yes, I imagine from now how. on,
1: all, every, all his work buddies must call you Matt Keen for pain, because no, we appreciate Dave, that's bullying.
2: What about Mustard Keen? <laughs> oh, there we go. Mustard
1: Keen for pain.
0: Oh, he's okay. Yeah, that's a good compromise.
2: Matt, I think you'll agree that if you change your
1: name to Mustard, you'll be bullied a lot less.
2: That's Keen as yeah. Mustard for pain.
1: But thank you so much for uh, uh, being part of the f- Patreon, Matt. Appreciate that a lot.
2: Matt, what a gun. And
0: everyone. Thank you so much. Matt
2: Keen think... is a great name. Matthew
0: Keen. Thanks, everyone,
2: for listening. And we seem to be very, very, very
1: close to this tattoo goal that we have on Patreon. If we get to oh! 2000 a month, we will get a tattoo on either Jess or Matt. You get to vote who gets a tattoo. And if Matt is the winner, you get to vote for what tattoo he gets.
2: I've been having second thoughts about this.
1: <laughs> I imagine you have. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: As it creeps closer, it looked like it was a, a goal that was it's way out into off. the future. This is
0: years off. You're an idiot.
2: Nah. Hey, vote for Jess. Because I think she really wants this tattoo. I
0: really want it. So
2: why not do something nice? Nah, they're not going to do
0: something nice. They're hey, going to put the- you in a fucked
2: situation. No, I disagree. I think Alison are very nice. We're That's
1: not true. getting ahead of ourselves. We're not at the the goal. But if you would like to contribute, we will be very, very close. And, of course, the ultimate goal of an, a, a US tour. Mm. Oh, man.
0: Man, oh, we'd man. love to do that. Ooh, baby.
1: Ooh, baby. We'll be... Ooh, baby. Lewis? Louisville? Louisville? Louis Louis every Louis every day. Yay, yay. God, he always trumps us for that deep, deep
2: voice. Love you, we.
1: Well, as they sing you uh, to sleep, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say thank you for listening. Uh, Matt will be back with a report next week. And until then, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. The links are in the description of the podcast, but it's at do go on Pod for everything. And dogoonpod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Matthew.
2: Hey, Jess. Yes, Matt. Um, when you start the music at the end, yep. can you make it start... Now dum dum da dum 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 da dum 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 dum. That'd be really great if you could. No yeah, problem. Thanks, heaps.
1: All right, guys. Until next week, I will say
0: goodbye. Later. Bye.
1: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
0: Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's
3: up to you.